Welcome back to the Are You Kidding Me show. We're back in the studio, and this time we've got Super Dave Evans and our executive producer, Ben Glass. Dave, why don't you give us a shout-out? Shout-out to everybody. I am super, super excited about today's episode. This is one of those things I just... Uh, me, I love to talk, but I love to talk about things I enjoy. Today's going to be a great example of that. Awesome. And Ben, why don't you say hi to the listeners out there? Hey, how's it going, everyone? All right, so uh, as we said... Uh, ben shares my enthusiasm. <laughs> As we've mentioned in previous episodes, Ben's joined us as an executive producer, and Ben brings to us a wealth of knowledge about movies in the film industry and things that uh, we may or may not have known about them, so we're glad to have him on board. Again, we're uh, in the beautiful uh, Studio 84 in beautiful downtown Fort Smith. Super Dave's uh, coming to us live via FaceTime in Ada, Oklahoma, and we're just glad to be back with our, our listeners. So Dave, what? So so Ben's kind of like uh, Gelman, and we're Regis and Kathy Lee, the old school. Is that kind of what we're doing here? Is that kind of where we're at? Regis and Kathy Lee. I'd have to be Regis. I'd wow. have to be. That just, that just, <laughs> I don't even know who's with Kathy Lee now. That scares it, me that you. It was Michael Stray uh, to that so, whole show. Yeah, that's uh, Gelman Regis. <laughs> Not, not digging that one. Yeah, you really have to... Uh, Matt would be Kathy Lee, so... That, <laughs> you you got to do more with your time there, my friend. <laughs> I might be a few years behind on that show. Okay. A few? Regis is off that show? Oh, man. All no, right, man. A, Take us, move us forward, man. All right, so moving forward, since this is uh, uh, an episode that I know is near and dear to your heart, why don't you intro to the folks what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking about one of my favorite movie, I'm going to call it just movie franchises because it's it's been marketed, there's several movies in this, really cool stuff, I just I just love this uh, series, we're talking about today, Planet of the Apes. Again, uh, remember watching it as a kid, some of the episodes really like freaked me out um i'm not gonna lie but uh, such an iconic classic like you were afraid afraid of planet of the apes oh yeah oh yeah wow. not wow. the not the original not the original but some of the later episodes um where they they met the guys from space uh or the 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 elders and they took off their faces but anyway um oh yeah okay okay yeah we'll get to that you're right. That does take a little ugly turn there when people start right. taking their faces off. Yeah. But, but such an iconic franchise. Um, again, uh, if you grew up in the the era that we did, I know Ben's a little bit younger than you and I. Um, just you, you didn't go through life without having seen at least an episode or two. I, I remember having the Planet of the Apes lunchbox. I remember having a backpack, some pretty cool stuff, a few toys, that kind of thing. I loved Planet of the Apes growing up. It was not Star Wars because it wasn't merchandised as well. Uh, and it, it just wasn't, didn't have that same mass appeal. But to me, it was one of the, one of my big childhood memories. I would rather I would rather play Planet of the Apes than Cowboys and Indians. That's how big Planet of the Apes was. Wow. Was to me. wow. Yeah, yeah, it was that big. I don't even know how you played that right. So. It's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Very simplistic. Yeah, you have some nets. You don't shave for a week. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. pretty, the, pretty easy. He went to the zoo once a month. You know, <laughs> <laughs> open the gates. 
Oh, why is that? You know, the, the funny thing about this, Matt, you were talking about this being before Ben's time. It's really before uh, our time because right. the movies and stuff, this this really predates us a little bit, which is kind of weird because it's funny how when you look back at your childhood, you think these things were coming out when you were a little kid. They'd already been out. Now they're, now they're on reruns. They're well, now, you so- know. Certainly not going to sit there and tell you that we watched the movie in the theaters. I'll say that yeah, we watched it on, yeah. on, on. I don't know. For us, it was WPIX Channel Eleven in New York. You know, you may have watched HBO. It. For me, HBO right. is where I saw some of this. Take us a little bit on the uh, history, if you will, of of the Planet of the Apes and where it came from, Dave. Well, here is our uh, segment of Book Nook. That's kind of where we got to start on here. Is uh, um, when I was a kid, of course, I thought they just came out with these movies. Well, like most movies or a lot of movies, it was based on a book. But the book had come out in 1963, so seven years before I was even born, before I'm on uh, the, the planet as we speak. Um, this was a, a French writer. I think his name is like Pierre, either Boule or Boule or Bullion Cube or something. And that, that part really doesn't matter because I'm not too interested in the book for myself, although sci-fi enthusiasts really like it. But get this, the book was called Monkey Planet. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you tell me, this does not go over if these movies are called Monkey Planet. It's not. No. Monkey Planet does not have the same impact as Planet of the Day. De- <laughs> Two de- different things. Definitely know? right, and we're glad that you don't speak French more often on the show. Yeah, uh-huh. I know the Pierre part's right. The Boulet or Boule, I'm not real sure. Um, but on his book, I remember, because I remember seeing it in, in, in uh, bookstores and stuff, they were much more advanced. Uh, his version of of Planet of the Apes, they uh, they drove tanks, they had airplanes, they had jeeps, uh, very, very different. Uh, and then the weirdest thing, Matt, here's what makes it so different than the movies, the biggest difference. They were on another planet. There was a planet um, of monkeys. It's not Earth in the book. And so that's the that's the biggest switch. Well, spoiler uh, alert the, there, I mean. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't known this now, you're probably not. I can't, I can't give you no spoiler alerts for a book that came out in 1963, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your chance, people, to read this book. It came out in 1963. Uh, uh, but one of the cool things about this is the producer of the movies, uh, Arthur Jacobs, he bought the rights to Monkey Planet before the book came out. Now, how smart is that? So, Wow. He owns the rights. The, the, the book comes out. It has a following. And then he can make the movie. So that's that's where it all started. Did you guys know there was a book or familiar with that? Yes. The author didn't think it could be filmed. Am I correct on that? Yeah, because of the uh, complexity of the uh, the costuming and the apes, and the, and the it'd be too expensive. You're right. you're exactly right. He didn't really think it would be a movie franchise, uh, which of course he was just way off. But they had to make some significant uh, changes. Uh, he buys the rights to this movie, but uh, the movie rights to this book before before the book releases, and then he's involved in, in this huge franchise, and, he, and it's really Arthur Jacobs that, that makes a ton of money. Uh, 1966, he talks to 20th Century Fox. He let, they let him produce the film. The first movie comes out in 1968, and it's called Planet of the Apes. Completely different, right? You guys, help me out. When was the first time you saw Planet of the Apes? Like, how old do you think you were? Well, the movie itself came out in, uh, I think, 1968, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, uh, I just said that, so that you're not mistaken. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I, I'd have to say I was probably somewhere around eight or nine when I saw the first one. Ah. I plan on watching it by my 40th birthday. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us again, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> How do you 
not watch Planet of the Apes? You're a movie guy. It's, it's This is iconic. Planet of the Apes. So you're not getting what's going on. It's a planet of apes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get it. Uh, it just didn't appeal to me as a as a young child. So Well, and, and, and just the, ca- of apes. the cast list alone was, and I, you know, uh, this would have been a blockbuster in the day. I mean, yeah. Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, uh, just a, a who's who of uh, uh, stars. Um, to and then of course sitting in and and uh, costume for that many hours a day alone. Um, it was only made for five five point eight million uh, in nineteen sixty eight. That's probably a lot more, you know. But they made twenty six million U.S. Yeah, it just it just blew up at the box office, and uh, they didn't really expect that, obviously. But you know, no CGI in 1968. This is this is uh, take the, take into account, Ben. One of the things that makes this movie such a big deal to me is when you watch the movie and you realize. This is 1968, and Star Wars doesn't come out till 77. Now, Star Wars is my point of reference for most things in life, but I think about uh, the difference in where they were at, this this dirty world, the grunginess, the makeup, the costuming, the extent they went. In 68 to 77, they were way ahead of the curve. You know, Planet of the Apes, was, was, uh, it, it changed the way movies were made. And then, of course, uh, you know, um, Charlton Heston uh, played... Uh, an astronaut that goes uh, into this this uh, ev- uh, what do you call it adventure, if you will, uh, where their their astronauts are uh, what do they enter a black hole? How do, how was the, the the that's that's possibly the worst telling of the planet. Of the <laughs> <laughs> What? Here's how. That's why Ben don't want to watch it, man. Right, right. You can't make you are killing. Yeah. You are killing Planet of the Apes, man. I had four astronauts take off uh, in the '60s. They leave the world behind. They've all got something to uh, hoop and holler about, complain. They've been uh, awake for like five months, but uh, about six or seven months of space travel turns out to be hundreds and hundreds of years of Earth time, and it's uh, all through this theory. And so they're they're uh, they're going to crash, but they're in these capsules where they're supposed to be kept, you know, young all this time, preserved during this time. Uh, there's a, only one lady on there. Her uh, the glass cracks and she dies because the air gets in there. So three guys basically land on this planet that looks like a desert, and they don't know where they're at. And they continue through. They find Ape City. Lots of things happen. You kind of got to get the gist of what's going on there. And then at the very end of the movie, they realize they think they've landed on this foreign uh, planet. And they're, they're trying to figure out, how are we going to get back to Earth? How are we going to get back to Earth? And at the end, because there's a strange twist added to the uh, uh, the script, they find a destroyed Statue of Liberty, one of the most iconic movie uh, um minutes is when they come upon the statue the only one left at this point is taylor which is charlton heston and he finds the statue of liberty and he realizes they blew up the earth we've been on the earth the whole time i'm home all the time we finally really did it you maniac you blew it up that was a uh, that's a twist on the book and that was because they brought uh, Rod Serling on from Twilight Zone. He wrote part of the script. That was his idea to say, you know what would be cool? 
they'd be on the earth the whole time. While they're trying to get back to earth to find out they'd be on earth. They also you know, had... got to give you a spoiler on that. I mean, you got to know the story. So. That right there makes me want to watch it. So now, they, had, they actually had had three different endings, and they wound up with that one. Is that... People were, were scared of it, kind of like what you were saying. Uh, this is the... Uh, uh, this is not a utopian future. This is that, you know, everything is about as bad as it can get. It's very, very somber. It opens up very serious. You're probably 20 minutes into the movie before you see your first ape. And even when the credits roll at the end, it's just super, super serious. You don't. It's not a feel-good movie when you leave or, or when you watch it. Even now at home, you're like, whoa. I mean, it's just like, that's terrible. That It's that kind of movie. So, uh, And then the second one, uh, it comes out just a... Uh, Two years later, they were cranking these movies out. 1970, they come up with Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's the one, Matt, you were talking about where you saw people taking the mask off and right. they were showing their uh, radiation uh, damage. The the, the uh, humans that had been radiated long term since the nuclear war when the Earth had been blown up, and now they have they worship an atomic bomb. So. Uh, uh, Charlton Heston's in that, not nearly as, as long, but uh, so so. did you see that one, Ben? Did you see any of the original ones, any of the early ones? Uh, you know, just bits and pieces when I'm passing by the TV, AMC. Oh, you know, passing so. by the TV, I got you. <laughs> so, that movie dealt with a lot of kind of what was going on in the world prior to that. Yes. You know, the nuclear, yes. Cold War themes. Cold War themes, uh, racism, politics. Uh, this is this is pre-Vietnam. On part of it, part of it is is during Vietnam. Uh, by 1970, when you're doing Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Vietnam's going on. Uh, there's war protest in it because there's a call for war uh, on conquest of the Planet of the Apes. There's some things in there that were definitely. Um, it was political, but it spoke to the times. You could definitely see the connection of oppression and some things going on. This was this was an interesting time to be making these movies, is what I would say. Well, something I found interesting is uh, Michael Wilson was brought on to uh, rewrite Serling's script. And yeah. He's known for uh, writing on It's a Wonderful Life and The Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, he had been blacklisted during the uh, McCarthy era, uh, so that was kind of interesting. You know, he was kind of discriminated against and that's kind of the theme and, and that, yeah is. there is that element in there and it's some of that is uh it's it, when you look at the stories uh i have in my notes to me if you were a film student this is one this is a great, great thing to study because it's not only the way that the movie is uh put together all the trouble they had making it, all the political themes, all stuff. This is a complex story, but also has a simple uh, uh, base story that you can enjoy as a kid. But then there's layers to it. This oh. is, uh, you know, a lot of layers to these movies. So uh, that what they did, they painted themselves in a corner with uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Because, again, spoiler on this one, but at the end of the movie, Charlton Heston detonates the last atomic, the, the Alpha Omega atomic bomb. Boom. Blows up the entire world. out of we just blew up the world 
and, and that's where Escape from the Planet of the Apes comes. It's the most lighthearted one. It's the cheapest one that they made as far as the cost of making the movies. Escape from the Planet of the Apes came out the very next year. Now, how many times or do you see that today where uh, these movies came out in 68, 70, 71, 72, 73? So they're, they're knocking these things out. You know, now we're waiting three, four, five years sometimes for a sequel, you know, to come out. So with Escape from the Planet of the Apes, what they did is they had three of the chimpanzees uh, leave the planet on the spaceship before the Earth gets blown up. And so, and then now they're, they're in modern day, which is the 70s in, in the movies. And uh, Ricardo Montalban's in that, does a great job. He helps the chimps. Uh, can't think of the guy, the actor's name of the guy who played Victor Newman off Young and Restless is in it. He's real good. Um, but it's a, it's a, uh, they had to paint themselves, uh, they painted themselves in the corner. They had to figure out how they're going to get out of it. And that's how they did it. They had, that's where you get escape from the Planet of the Apes in 19. All right, I'm uh, sorry, but are we going to let that go? First, he brings up the whole Kelly, uh, not Kelly, Regis and Kathy Lee, and right. now Young and the Wrestlers, yes. too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. That's a I'm, guilty I'm, pleasure of mine, to be honest with you. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think soap operas, much like Regis, are just about done. <laughs> Stuck at the grandparents, had to watch that. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't want to just be lost in these old old movies. Uh, I think they were great, but there was so, a lot so more Dave, them. Dave, going from uh, you know, Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and Conquest of the Planet. Conquest. Right. So this, the franchise goes through the... the Battle how, for the Planet of the Apes. How badly <laughs> can we saturate this, this franchise and, and milk, milk this cow? But then they also created a television series. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's the worst thing you can do with the TV series that, that you want to take off is to you cast... It, you get it going, you got a product, and you put it on, and you put it in a time slot that goes right up against something else that's tough. And what they did, this was on CBS. Uh, trying to think of what year that came out. It was, I remember. 74, the, it was, I think. 74, 74. So I don't remember the run. I would have been four years old, but I remember it later on. Guess what it goes up against? NBC is showing, CBS shows Planet of the Apes, which is going to be tough to, to sell on TV. The other on NBC, uh, uh, maybe two shows you've heard of: Sanford and Son and Chico and the Man. Oh my goodness! So it just wow. blows. <laughs> yeah, those wow. shows are going like gangbusters. Norman Lear is, is everything he's touching is gold at that point. Knocks him off after only fourteen episodes. So thank you, Norman Lear, for killing uh, the franchise there for a little while by knocking off the TV show. Planet of the Apes. Oh, well, now, to be fair, I think at that point, uh, you know, it, it needed to be knocked off. You know, I mean, they had done everything they could. I mean, how far could they have taken Well, they only had 14 episodes. Uh, it's it's kind of funny because I watched those episodes as a kid, and I remember thinking, not in the original era, but on reruns, they would sometimes show them on Saturdays. they play all of them. And I used to think, man, every episode is exactly the same. And then when I got older, I realized two things were true. Yes, they were exactly the same, but they only had 14 episodes. So it did seem like you were seeing the same thing over and over. So basically, apes would catch these two human guys every episode. They would find a way to escape. They'd chase them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe another ape would help them. Maybe they wouldn't. You know, it was kind of that. And at the end of the episode, they're off again. Uh, you know, It just wasn't that 
complex. There wasn't a lot of places you could go with it at that point. But uh, when I was talking about playing Planet of the Apes as a kid, that's kind of what we did is you were either the apes or you were the humans, you know, and, and you captured each other. Well, but uh, You talked about it being a, a bomb here in the United States because of the competition that it faced. Actually, in, in England, it was a huge success. I think it could have been here, but Sanford and Son and Chico, man, were hot, man. They were Those were big shows, and uh, people went there, and they didn't go. They they changed the channel from Planet of the Apes to Sanford and Son. It's kind of hard to, to blame them. I mean, those are great shows, but right. this this just wasn't going to be able to compete with those shows at all. Right, and then so the, the franchise went away for, for a long time, and then... No, no. 1975, Matt, don't forget... Uh, Planet of the Apes. It was called Return to the Planet of the Apes cartoon. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very short-lived. Again, only 14 episodes. The same as the TV show. Uh, but on that one, I think they made a huge mistake. They followed the book a little more. Uh, they they were in airplanes. They were in Jeeps. It was the same cartoon style that uh, they did Tarzan and they did uh, The Lone Ranger and the Star Trek cartoons where it would be one image, they talk for five minutes, and then another image, and people's mouth didn't move to their, you know, the body or anything else. But, uh, yeah, that that was really sweet. Return of the Planet of the Apes, 14 episodes, and then gone. So then we had that void that you're talking about, the silent years that, that from 75 on. The silent years. Okay. I got a quick question for you. Uh, do you know who did the uh, makeup for the Planet of the Apes? Uh, who they hired? Um, mm, I, I'm sure I do and forgotten because I've watched the extra DVD in that box set, and there's a big segment on that. But help me out, who is it? Uh, John Chambers, and no, he, he's a uh, very familiar in Hollywood. He's kind of the premier special effects in Hollywood at the time. He did uh, fancy shows like The Monsters, The Outer oh. Limits, and Lost in Space. But his biggest contribution. Uh, was he did he designed Spock's ears for Star Trek? So. Nice. Whoa! No, I did not know that. That is awesome to, to make that connection between those two huge uh, franchises. When you that uh, Ben, this is kind of funny because to me that is the best DVD extras of any box set I've ever, ever bought. Is the one with the Planet of the Apes, and it has some of that in there. Even better than the Star Wars stuff. Cause oh, you've really? kind of already seen that yeah. before. The, it has more. some really cool stuff about behind the scenes but how they had tied up of just about every makeup artist in Hollywood to uh, work on those movies and stuff. And so other movies were uh, slow in production because everybody everybody that was doing makeup was working on Planet of the Apes at the time. But uh, that's pretty cool to know there's a connection between Star Trek and Planet of the Apes. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great uh, tidbit because... That's again, why Ben's here. He knows those things. <laughs> right, right. And then, of course... Um, uh, there's, the story goes that the woman who played Zero mm-hmm. went to the premiere or uh, a party and or the Oscars, I think it was, and she went up to Charlton Heston and said, how are you, and shook his hand, how are things, and he didn't know who she was. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> he was probably in makeup hours before he showed up. Yeah, that Well, and awesome. then as, as they took breaks, they weren't allowed to get out of makeup, so their meals were all... Uh, liquefied yeah there's some funny things on that dvd extra where they're drinking through these long straws and stuff like that yeah 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 that's kim hunter on there and and she's uh pretty awesome in that role so bring us dave out of the the the, uh the silence 
and into the, the, the reboot that is Planet of the Apes. Well, from 75 for a long time, there was nothing. There was You've seen some occasional toys that would come out. There were some comics, which uh, had been around since the early movies. Uh, you know, I've gobbled up a few of them uh, over the years. They still make some of them. Some of them have some really cool uh, imagery and some, some storylines and stuff. And you kept hearing about reboots. Like, all of a sudden, they're going to reboot Planet of the Apes, so they're going to make a new Planet of the Apes. You would hear it all the time, kind of like they did with Star Wars, what you would hear for a long time. And then finally... Uh, it's it's going to happen. You you hear that they're going to do one. It was kind of a rebirth of Planet of the Apes. Uh, Mark Wal- Wahlberg uh, yeah. was cast in it. It, was, it came out in two thousand one. It's uh it's it's pretty. Uh, the reviews on it are rough. Uh, it's a Tim Burton movie though. Right. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I think it's got some redeeming uh, qualities in it. Um, it. It did pretty good money uh, wise and stuff, but. Uh, I think the ending is rough, uh, but the but the makeup and the CGI introduction in two thousand one is so much different than the movies of the uh, uh, from the seventies. Now both of you guys have probably seen that movie, right? Yeah, I've seen that. One. Definitely have seen it. Um, again, you know Tim Burton tends to work uh, with his uh, I think it's his wife Helena Bottom Carter a lot. Um, to your point, the makeup was very different. Um, you know, and yeah, no comparison to the original movies in that sense. And I'll say this, some of the actors, uh, or the character, the eight characters in this film compared to the, the earlier versions, you know, um, they were a lot scarier, uh, uh, in the set, in this, this later version. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they were able to do more with, the, with the characters. I felt right. like Tim Roth was really good in this, I thought. Absolutely. And then of course, Charlton Heston and Linda Harrison, uh, did appear in this film, uh, but they're the only ones from the original Planet of the Apes to appear in the film. Um, Michael uh, Clark Duncan, yeah. who I, I just, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, he does a great job in this. And, Which uh, is hard to hard to think of guys doing a great job acting in such a CGI-oriented film, but they really do. I mean, sometimes we discount that, you know. Help, help me understand, because I haven't seen the others, why the ending was so controversial to people that had seen the originals. Well, what, what is so bad on this one is it just really kind of depends on what, what you think is happening in the, in the script. Um, he, finds, he finds his old uh, – he's traveled through space. He finds his, uh, another old ship. They, they wind up taking off, and then they wind up back on, quote, unquote, Earth. But while he's been gone – now Earth has been taken over by apes, and it's actually apes, you know, uh, that, that are resting, you know. And so it makes it look like he, he traveled to a different planet instead of where he landed was the same planet. Now, some people have said, well, actually he went back to the same planet just at a different time. It's just not a good ending. It doesn't make sense. To, it's, it's almost comical at the end versus um, that tragic twist. Right. It didn't have that dark feeling. This one never felt dark to me, you know. Isn't there a statue of uh, Abraham Lincoln that's now yeah. an ape? I, yeah. I remember seeing that and going, what? And that's, and that's that. where you, they're obviously trying to do their version of the Statue of Liberty thing, but that was done somber, and this one's almost done comical, and it's kind of like, that just doesn't, that's not, not impactful. It just, it was like, you know, you could do better. It's kind of what, that's what I felt on it was that uh, the script could have been better. I think Mark, uh, Mark Wahlberg can act, and I think uh, he did about as good a job as what you could do in it. 
but there was just some holes in the in the script. They they didn't they didn't know where they wanted to go with the whole story, if you ask me. Now, uh, what I'm reading is is that the ending was reworked and it's based on the original book ending as written by Pierre Boulet. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I was saying before that that's what I think is most interesting about uh, the twist that Rod Serling put on is the planet that they that they land on that they realize has been taken over by apes. That's the irony. Well, it turns out to be Earth. While you're trying to you're, you want to get back home, you don't know where you're at. You're actually in, in New York, and, and like the, on the second one, uh, they know that they're in, in uh, Queens actually, uh, in, in one part of the film. Where on these versions, it is like the book, and you're on a different planet, a planet, the monkey planet, kind of, and then you go back to the Earth, and the Earth has been taken over also by apes. I like the original twist on that, that you've always been on Earth the whole time. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. It's a lot darker ending right yeah, there. Yeah, more yeah. Tra- there, more tragic. Now there's, yeah, now there is no escape because you can't leave where you're at because that's where you're trying to get back to. It is it, your home. You yeah. know, that's kind of the whole thing. We're home. We've been here all along. That's the that's the dark part of it that I like. So it just, you know, the fact that it didn't have a sequel tells you that it just didn't have a whole lot of uh, traction, the 2001 uh, version with uh, Tim Burton directing. So, to, so then uh, that doesn't do well, right? And then they go ahead and they try to... Uh, Re uh, rebrand it or re re uh, revamp it or give it new life, and yeah. they come out with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Amazing, amazing movie. Uh, this is 2011, so it's already been a while since it's come out. But the CGI from 2001 to 2011, a decade, you know, and technology is a long time, and uh, making movies had changed so much. Um, but Ben, you'll recognize uh, Andy Serkis is in these as uh, Caesar, and uh, I don't I don't know how he does it, but he's the best at that CGI character. Um, you know, just be able to bring him to life, and yeah. that that changes everything. Yeah, he's thing. amazing. Uh, so Andy Serkis is uh, is known as uh, as the character who played Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies, and then as now uh, entered the Star Wars franchise as. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Yes. Snoke, yeah. Uh, and uh, does an amazing job. An absolutely fantastic job. Um, to your point, his CGI work is, is just second to none. Did King Kong, too. Oh, did he? Yeah, also? yeah, which is really pretty cool. Yeah, yeah not, a, not a bad movie itself, actually. And so, Are you talking about the Skull Island one, man? No, I'm talking about uh, the uh, Peter Jackson one. Oh, I thought he was in the Skull Island one. Okay, he cool. might have yeah. been, but I know he's in the Peter Jackson one. Then, he, then he's probably not. But I thought that. Yeah, I like the the Skull Island one. But uh, the the way that Andy Serkis can bring these uh, characters to life, um, you never really not not in in my realm. You don't really hear about the people that are doing the computer work. You got to give them credit, but the actor too. Also, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, these movies shot right out and did did very well right from the beginning. Well, um, you know, again, great cast with uh, James Franco, and I'm not usually a huge James Franco fan, but I thought he did a great job in this. But again, I felt um, as a lead-in as to how the planet got overrun by apes, you know, and and telling it the story from that way versus the time travel. Uh, yeah, this story had never been told, really. Right, right. It was, it was kind of suggested. It, it's told in um, 
Escape from the Planet of the Apes when the, when the three chimpanzees come to the United States and it's in modern day seventies. One of them dies. Um, they say they they tell the story about how uh, uh, apes became domesticated and coming to home, and they kind of they kind of tell that part of it. But it's very different than this virus story uh, on uh, Battle. I don't know if it's no, it's Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Ricardo Montalban actually gives a year, and it's a, there's a statue of dogs and cats, and uh, he talks about 1983. The virus came and he knocked them out, and all. so it fits along with that uh, part of it where it's kind of loosely connected. There's a virus, well, but you didn't hear these details at all. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the 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 baby chimp that was born in that film with with Ricardo Montalban, yeah, the, the baby chimp's name was Caesar, was it not? Yeah, yeah, right. So is there, is there a, a path? Yeah, there's all kind of shout-outs back to uh, the original movies in these new movies. There's lots and lots of uh, connections to uh, uh, the names of characters and uh, the original characters, places. It's it's uh, it's it's kind of one long Easter egg. If you if you like all the movies, there's all kind of connections back. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, the name of one of the. Uh, Dr. Sayas, um, yeah. in the original ones. Yeah. Um, I forget the actor's name who played him, but the, the I think the orangutan in the new ones, he has that name. Uh, it he's Paul actually the, the... Do I? Was it Paul Giamatti? Uh, or, no, or that's, he, that's in the... That's in the Tim Burton. Tim Burton yeah, he's in the Tim Burton one. But in the back in the original ones, that actual uh, actor is the same guy that plays, uh, he's on Bewitch as uh, Samantha's dad. That's that same actor is is, is, uh, Dr. Sayas the orangutan back there. So some of that's kind of cool. But they they connect as many things from the old one that they can to the new one, which is, I think, a good respect kind of thing. You know, uh, you're not making a new one if there wasn't an old one in these movies. So we go from Rise of the Planet of the Apes to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And that's where uh, Caesar has gone ahead and um, uh, gotten these other apes genetically evolved, right? Uh, Caesar to... has gone home, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so uh, I guess there's a virus that's been unleashed. And yeah, it's, it's about wiped out the, the uh, human race. planet. Right. And, and chimps and, and apes are immune to it. And we find out that uh, it kills humans, but not every human. Right, right. And uh, uh, Andy Serkis comes back as Caesar. Does a great job in that. Um, Gary Oldman uh, was was on board for this as well. Well, he, he's really good in this movie too, but he's a great actor. Oh, Gary Oldman is is fantastic. Since I first, my first recollection of him was from The Professional, which was just. Yeah, you're going pretty far back there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just a great actor. Um, and then um, after that is the most recent uh, iteration. Am I wrong? Yeah. Okay. War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. Woody Harrelson's in this one. We don't want to give away too many spoilers because a lot of people probably haven't seen this one yet. Uh, it just gets darker and darker and darker. Uh, we do see that the virus is... Uh, wiping out uh, humans. Humans are getting very desperate. And now we start to see, we, we see uh, because the virus killing the humans uh, and the chimps being, uh, now we have apes who are becoming highly intelligent. 
and we see humans on the downfall because of their their death rate that they're just dying out and there's uh, the world is you know they don't have electric they don't have utilities all over the place so we're starting to see the the swing we'll say in uh, domination but then there's a twist that re- uh, gets revealed in war for the planet of the apes that this virus on the people that survive takes on a mutation and that mutation will really swing the favor in the apes and we just get a glimpse of that in war for the planet of the apes so we're now we're starting to see how the domination is really going to happen because we haven't seen it yet we've just seen survive bare, bare survival we'll say barely survival and kind of a thrival on the apes and uh now we're starting to see it swing even more at the end of war for the planet of the apes. highly recommend that movie all right so dave uh, obviously, this is a, a subject matter that's near and dear to your heart. So, yeah, I get pretty emotional about that. Right. right. <laughs> Fav- favorite film? Oh man, uh, nothing. It, to me, it's like Rocky. It's like Star Wars. Nothing beats the first one because that's I was hooked. I was hooked. Um, the second one is probably my least favorite because it is a little bit weird, and when they blow up the whole world and. The, uh, the fact that they were praying to the nuclear, you know, bomb—it's interesting, but uh, you know, just don't appreciate the same one. It's—it's it's actually probably more complex than the others, but I like the other movies. Um, but I'm gonna say the the very the original Planet of the Apes, Charlton Heston, because uh, I remember watching it for the first time pretty young and thinking, "Are you kidding me? That that's how this movie's gonna end? There's not there's not something else to this." And the and the when you hear the music at the end of the credits, you're like, "Oh my goodness, that's." That's the end of the movie. Right, <laughs> it's right. not getting any better. This is bad. So yeah, the first one has got to be my uh, favorite. I'm really impressed with this this uh, latest uh, rendition. They're supposed to be doing another one. I sure hope they do. There's no way you, you stop it with where they where they have. I don't believe. I think there's already another one in production. Um, excites me. They keep changing out the uh, the human actors, like you know Woody Harrelson in this one who will be in the new uh, Han Solo movie, too. Pretty excited. So he will also be crossing over to the Star Wars uh, universe. Uh, Woody Harrelson, I like him. It's not my not one of my top favorite actors I would think of, but he does a great job in this role. I don't know if I've ever seen him do a bad acting job. And so uh, he, he's the perfect cast uh, for that uh, movie. So the first one and the most recent one uh, are great. I would recommend these movies to anybody. So, uh, you know, I've got a history of having seen the originals, I saw, like I said, the uh, uh, the first one with James Franco and the one with Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I, I like I like both of them, but I didn't run out and go buy the DVDs for the the Mark Wal- Wahlberg. Oh, I had to watch them in theater and snatch them up. I'm all over that. Right, but I will I will say I'm a fan of the franchise. I definitely do want to go out and see the others, uh, the new uh, sequels uh, with Caesar. I am I am to Planet of the Apes the way Ben is to the Medea movies. I mean, when they come out, <laughs> he's, he's right there. So Ben, ben you, don't watch them, you don't watch it. <laughs> so sort of, sort of an interesting take on this episode is going to be, hey, Ben, you, you admittedly, you, you've not watched some of these movies, but based on what you've heard today, are these going into your queue? Uh, definitely. Uh, especially the first Planet of the Apes. I really want to go back and watch that. And then I'm really going to loan you the box set, Ben. I have these for you. I'm going to loan you the box okay, set. Okay, that sounds good. I'm really intrigued with the new ones. I think they really appeal to me. Yes. Uh, just because of what's going on currently. Right. Uh, uh, just watching Caesar's art from movie to movie, I'm really interested in seeing that. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy these. Based on the other movies I know that you do like, I think these are right up your alley. I think you'd, you would like these. 
I, I you know I, I can't agree with you more there, Dave. I think Ben would enjoy him. Um, you know, uh, it's definitely a franchise that it's had its ups and, ups and downs, but it definitely keeps returning, uh, kind of like the Apes, uh, the you know rising up from the ashes. So. And I still say these these movies are probably the main reason why I don't own a chimpanzee or have a helper monkey, and my wife is so adverse to that, is when I thought we had made some movement on me uh, being able to get a helper monkey around the house to just uh, do the obvious to help, then Planet of the Apes came out in 2011, and here we go again. Now all of a sudden we don't want to have apes in the house. So uh, other than that, they've been, a, they've been a fan favorite of, of mine, but they have probably kept me from having my own uh, ape. I think Matt could agree with you more. So, just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, with that, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. We're just so glad that you guys uh, joined us today uh, for basically hearing Dave's, you know, uh, second uh, love uh, behind Star Wars. I, I yeah, think that, it's know, up there. It's, it's, it's right there with Rocky with me. It's right there. Definitely. Definitely. And a, a great franchise to, to go check out. If you really want to freak out your kids, make sure you show them the one with the guys uh, as they remove their heads. <laughs> that's um, beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's and they, the, they spoke scary. telepathically, so uh, exactly. that was, was freaky too. Um, with that being said, we're going to take it out. But again, I want to thank Ben for joining us in the studio today. And Dave, take us out. All right. Thank you to Ben Diesel in the studio there. And to uh, shout out to Devin Dundee that uh, does our tech stuff, does a lot of editing for us. And uh, uh, if you think our show is bad, you should hear it before we edit it. So uh, we're, we're appreciative of him. Uh, no shout out to anybody else I can think of. But if, if you are a celebrity or no one, have them give us a holler and maybe we'll put them on the show or if you're interested in being on the show have something unique about you you might let us know please send us your show suggestions fan mail hate mail cash or gifts we'll open anything you send we hope today we've made you laugh chuckle snort etc or just at least think about planet of the apes or like ben consider watching them for the first time around to become a huge fan like myself join us in the future because that's where we'll be when we're doing future episodes and today we hope we haven't left you scratching your head and asking yourself, are you kidding me? Take us out and have our theme music.